Welcome to Lydiard Law with Paul Cott. Tips and tricks for your legal issues. This episode, Paul Cott, Principal at Law on Lydiard, introduces us to the term power of attorney. Well, Paul, let's get straight into it. It's something a lot of listeners have heard of, but probably don't know too well what it is and what it does. Can you explain? It is a legal document that gives another person, a trusted person, power to do certain things on the first person's behalf. So it can be a power to operate bank accounts. Say, if they're overseas, it can be a person who can make decisions on the first person's behalf. It can be a person who can buy and sell property on the person's behalf. So you can appoint somebody under a power of attorney just to do certain things because, say, if you go overseas and say you're not going to be around and not able to exercise those powers, or you can appoint someone so that if you lose mental capacity to make those decisions, then somebody else can make them on your behalf and you um, appoint them pursuant to a power of attorney document. Mm. So what's a enduring power of attorney? Is that another particular category of power of attorney? So that, that's more recommended than a non-enduring one because what an enduring one does is once they lose capacity, it continues on. With a non-enduring power of attorney, once they lose capacity to make decisions, then that power of attorney can stop or cease operating. If it's enduring, the idea of it is that it endures even once the person loses capacity, so it continues on. Does the power of attorney have to be in writing? It should be in writing. I've never heard of a, a verbal power of attorney. I guess it could be done if it was proved in court, a verbal power of attorney, but it should always be in writing because it's a fairly detailed type of document, fairly prescriptive with a lot of detail as to, and sometimes limitations and conditions on the power as well. It has to be signed and witnessed. So, yeah, the bottom line is that 99% of cases it should be done in writing. Can a person who's got dementia or, or some other cognitive impairment or who is elderly make a power of attorney? So that's two different scenarios there, which, which is good that you've mentioned because some people think, well, if the person's elderly, and I don't want to diverge today into going into wills, but if the person's elderly, they won't have the capacity because they might have dementia, but just by the fact that they're elderly, they may not be able to make a power of attorney or a will, but they can. It's preferable if one's already in place, but there's no reason why an 88-year-old person, for example, who has full mental capacity, is not able to do a will at that age or a power of attorney, as long as they have mental capacity to do it, which basically means that they know what the document is and what it does. So they don't have to know all the detail, but they, have, they need to have some basic understanding about what they're actually doing by entering into a power of attorney. So there is a distinction between someone who's got dementia and someone who is elderly. If you have dementia, you may well not have the mental capacity to do a will or a power of attorney. It's a bit trickier with dementia because it can come and go. The same with mental health issues is that you can have capacity one day and then not the next. So you might be able to make a valid power of attorney or a will on one day and then the next day it will be called into question because you, the person, for example, witnessing, believed that the person didn't know what they are actually undertaking. But um, with dementia, it's probably a little bit different. It doesn't really chop and change as much as, say, a mental health issue. 
So normally, if you have dementia, you won't have capacity. If there's a question of capacity to make a power of attorney, a doctor's report or a doctor's certificate, something written by the doctor, um, would be able to support that where the doctor says that they have the capacity. But if obviously the, on the other side of the coin, if the doctor says they don't and they put it in writing, well, that's proof that they won't. Unfortunately, then they would not be able to do a power of attorney. And that's why people go on or lawyers go on about making sure you have your affairs in order, things like powers of attorney and wills in place before the worst comes to worse, because then it's too late. If you go into a car accident and go into a coma, for example, and you wake up and you're not really have your faculties back, you may not be able to do a power of attorney then, and that's when you need it. It's too late. So it might mean that you have to go to court to get a power of attorney appointed or VCAT. So in other words, that's, you know, further cost, time and stress and inconvenience. So that those types of two situations can be problematic. But just because you're elderly, it's really important to know, for people to know, just because you're elderly doesn't mean you can't make a will. In fact, I did a will for a lady who was 94. And in my opinion, she was almost sharper than me. So she she was doing really well. Did that surprise you? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> now, is a lawyer required necessarily for someone to make a power of attorney? Well, probably not strictly. If the person is smart enough, and there are certainly many people out there smart enough to draw up a document, as long as it's got all the required detail, that's fine. The other reason why a lawyer is good to have too, because there's certain specific witnessing requirements and a lawyer can witness the power of attorney. So if you've got a lawyer who's drafted it, you're going to have a lawyer who's going to be able to witness it. But it's better to have a lawyer because it'll ensure it's valid. The worst thing you want to happen is if the person does lose capacity, you take um, or you go down to the bank and want to operate somebody else's bank account because they can't do it anymore. And the bank says, this power of attorney is not valid for whatever reason. If it's not, has not the required detail in it, it can call into question the validity of it. So um, generally you should get a lawyer. And who can witness a power of attorney? And can one or both witnesses be a family member? One witness has to be somebody who's qualified to witness an affidavit, which is a lawyer and various other people. The other person can be a family member, but it's better if the other person who witnesses is not the person who gets the power. So in other words, not a party to the document. So another relative or family member would be able to witness it. So bring that other person along with the lawyer to the office to sign it up. Can a person appoint someone for the purpose of the second person making medical treatment decisions? Yes, they can. So that's a medical treatment decision maker, which is almost like a separate power of attorney. So again, it doesn't relate to decisions that are not of a medical nature. So it doesn't necessarily mean also that the thing only operates when they've got medical issues, but they can make medical treatment decisions on behalf of the person if they're not able to. So it's a medical treatment decision maker. What can be done if it's suspected by, say, a relative that the responsibility given to the person who has the power is being abused? So in these types of matters, I've dealt with the Office of Public Advocate a lot. I think they're often a good point of call or initial point of call for people who have queries in this area. 
which a lot of people are um, a little bit unclear as to you know what to do give the officer public advocate a call and say this is a situation and then to be guided by them also vcat has a very fundamental role because the officer public advocate might just say well go to vcat so vcat has a supervisory role and they have a a role under the guardianship and administration act where with situations of abuses of power they have a quite a wide jurisdiction and can make various orders so vcat's quite a a strong avenue and depending on the exact type of abuse it might even be that there's been some sort of fraud or forgeries or even criminal offences committed against the person so of course you know in those cases the police could be notified as well Will a power of attorney still be valid once the person giving the power dies? Yeah, that, that's actually a common question, which is a little bit of a surprise because I think people get confused sometimes with a will and a power of attorney. So just to be clear, a power of attorney only operates during somebody's lifetime. And as soon as they die, if there's a will, the will comes into effect. So once somebody dies, basically if there was a power of attorney in place, it falls away. That's Paul Cott, Principal at Law on Lydiard. You've been listening to Lydiard Law. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whichever app you access your favourite podcasts. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, why not leave a review? It always helps others to find and enjoy the podcast too. For more information about Lydiard Law or any legal issues you'd like to discuss with Paul, go to lawonlydiard.com.au. Paul Cott and I look forward to your company next episode. Until then, I'm Chris Ashmore. Thanks for listening. <music>